0: So this is going to be our last sermon, on uh, our last teaching. It's more, more of a teaching than it is a preaching thing on, uh, on just the idea of how to pray. We've been going over this. We did, we did two weeks of it, I think, and then we took a break for uh, All Saints Sunday, and this did another one last week, and this week will be uh, the, last, um, the last sermon on the series as we move into the season of Advent. Just real quick, can you throw that slide up there for me, Lorelai? Just in case you've forgotten or just in case you haven't been here, what you're looking at there is our prayer model. And uh, much of the material I've told you guys that I've gotten for this series has come from the book How to Pray, a Simple Guide for Normal People, which is all of us, um, by a guy named Peter Gregg, and he kind of set up this uh, prayer model for us. And, we, and we've been going through that, P-R-A-Y. It's an acronym that's so easy for us to remember as we, as we uh, whether, we're, whether we're novices at prayer or whether we've been praying for years and decades. Uh, we can utilize this, you know, during our times with God. P. Pause. Just kind of stand. Just kind of tells us to uh, to sit still with God for a little bit, you know, not to not to run, rush headfirst into our private times with God, you know, full speed, but to actually sit in His presence. Just sit still, and uh, and recognize that His presence is with us at all times, and and just and just get into the mood, if you will, to pray and to give God that time, reflect and rejoice. We've talked about, and those are our times of adoration. Those are those our times of worship. With God. We talked about asking uh, last week, and we talked about the ideas of petition, you know, asking God for, for things in our lives. We talked about intercession, uh, praying to God for and on the behalf of other people. And we talked a little bit about um, uh, perseverance, persevering in prayer, especially, you know, even, even during those times where we don't feel like praying necessarily. So today we're going to conclude with the why. And this is probably my favorite uh, part of the, the prayer model, the favorite part of the acronym to talk about. And that Y stands for the idea of yielding, the idea of yielding to God. And I'm going to expound on that here in just a minute. Also, we want to keep, our, keep our, uh, our motto in mind as we approach our prayer lives. Keep it simple, or keep it up, keep it simple, keep it real. Keep on praying when we don't feel like praying. Feel free to talk to God. Just converse to God. It doesn't have to be any. You don't, we don't have to pray in any kind of grand way, uh, using a lot of lofty words. Just remember it's a conversation with our Creator. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Tell God your heart. God knows what's on our heart long before we even approach Him. So be honest with God. I always keep referring back to the Psalms and this book of prayers uh, in the Old Testament where people are just so, so blatantly honest in their prayer lives. And I think that serves, can serve and should serve as a model for us. God can handle even the worst of our emotions. So take it to God. He, he wants to hear the truth of what's going on in our lives. So our scripture today, and I'm so glad Paulette picked up on, the, uh, on, teach, on, on going over the Lord's Prayer with the kids as, as we've been going over this morning. So glad that she did that. So our scripture is going to go through Matthew 6, verses 12 and 13. And this is the conclusion of what we generally regard as the Lord's Prayer. Verse 12, forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the word of God for the people of God. And that translation actually comes from the New International Version. I'm sure y'all, y'all probably picked up on the on there's a couple words in there that kind of maybe seem a little foreign to us or a little bit different. Uh, some of us have been taught to pray this pray, forgive us of our Trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Some translations will read, "Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us." It's all basically the same idea. You get you, you get the same get the same thing from all of those words: trespasses, debts, sins. Um, so as we go into these two scriptures this morning. We're going to talk about a couple more themes within that we can apply, or a couple more practices that we can apply in our prayer lives, gleaning from these two scriptures. Like I said in the beginning, we've already talked about the idea of stillness. That goes along with the P in our prayer model. We've talked about the ideas of adoration and worship. That goes along with our R in the prayer model, reflecting and rejoicing. Last week we talked about petition, intercession, and perseverance, which goes along with asking, the A in our prayer model. Today we're going to uncover a little bit what it means to yield to God. And that's again, is our Y, P-R-A-Y, the last one being yield. We're going to talk about what it means and what it looks like for us to yield to God through four different practices. And I'm going to go over them really, really quickly, as quickly as I possibly can. Those practices are contemplation, listening, confession, and spiritual warfare. Now, we talked a little bit about spiritual warfare last week at the end of the sermon. We're going to expound a little bit on that today if you can't never notice, the last line is what? Deliver us from the evil one. Most of us know that as deliver from evil. That's spiritual warfare prayer right there all day long. So anyway, when we talk about contemplation, when we talk about listening to God, when we talk about even the practices of compes- confession and spiritual warfare, yielding to God, our book kind of sums it up in one paragraph, and it's a really, really, really beautiful and succinct summation. And it says the final step in our prayer model, the P-R-A-Y model, is all about surrender. Surrender and yielding. We yield to God's presence on earth as it is in heaven. Through the practices of contemplative prayer, through the practice of listening to his word, which Paulette mentioned earlier, was our daily bread. Through... uh, holiness through confession and through reconciliation and by praying forgive us of our sins that we forgive those who sin against us as we yield to his power in spiritual warfare we ask our father to deliver us from evil if you guys don't hear any other thing today the word yield obviously is applicable because it's part of our prayer model but if you don't hear any other word today in this entire sermon remember that word surrender Remember that word surrender because the idea of yielding to God in prayer, in our prayer lives, is all about learning to surrender. I would go so far as to say is that's what Christianity is all about, the practice of Christianity. It's all about learning and allowing to God to, to transform us, being able to yield to His will, being able to yield to the image of Jesus Christ and getting less of ourselves, getting rid of, of so much of ourselves and taking in so much of the spirit and the image of Jesus Christ. Learning how to surrender our wills to the will of God. That's what it means to yield. I can't teach this. I can't tell you how to do it. I have enough problem in my own life applying this principle and applying this practice but when it happens in your life I guarantee you you're going to know when it happens because you start to think a little bit differently than you used to. You start to view people a little bit differently than you used to. You're a little bit less judgmental of people than you were. You're a little bit more loving. You're a little bit more merciful. You're a little bit more gracious. You're a little bit more humble in your lives, in your daily walks. You're a little bit less like our sinful selves, and we're a little bit more like Christ. That's what happens when we learn to surrender ourselves, when we learn to yield our spirits, our actions to the will of God. Again, I can't tell you how to do it. I struggle enough in my own life trying to figure out how to do this. It's just something that happens. And when it does happen, I promise you, you will know it. A lot of this is just about perseverance, which we've talked about already. Persevering in our faith and persevering um, in our prayer lives. It's about opening ourselves to God's grace. It's about opening ourselves to the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit. It's about letting go of our egos. It's about letting go of our selfishness. It's about letting go of our sinfulness and our way of being, and again, surrendering to the God's way of being, surrendering to Jesus' way of being. So let's start with this crazy idea of contemplative prayer. This is one of my favorite prayer practices, and it's not for everybody. Um, but it's, in my life, it's been one of the most transformative practices that I've, that I've embraced and that I, that I continue to do. Um, this is very much related to the P, where we start off, where we talked about stillness. But the idea of contemplative prayer is all about drawing our attention to the very reality of God, the very reality that God is always with us, the very reality that we are always in the presence of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's where we place our full attention on nothing else but that reality. We enjoy God's presence with us. A lot of this, a lot of this is just simply sitting, y'all. And I know that sounds crazy to most of us because it's not something that we're, we're taught a lot. It's, it's, it's a practice, Christian practice that's hundreds of centuries of years old. But simply sitting still in the presence of God and allowing God to do his work instead of me talking, instead of me telling God what to do. We just sit in his presence. And that is one of the hardest things in the world for us to do. I talked about that several weeks ago. We are overstimulated, particularly in our American society. We got too much hurry. We got too much worry. We got too much stuff we got to do here and there and everywhere. We don't have enough time simply to sit still. What was that quote? I know Kevin liked it when I used it. But it was a quote from Richard Foster. And uh, he said something to the effect of hurriedness is not of the Hurriedness and busyness is not of the devil. It is the devil himself. And there's so much truth to that. If we can simply set aside just a few minutes just to sit and allow God to speak to us and allow God to do his work, in our lives and in our hearts work is great through us that's, what, that's all contemplative prayer about it is resting in the presence of God we went through a practice of this several weeks ago sometimes we just we can focus on a piece of scripture you know we went through a practice called Lectio Divina several weeks ago reading a short piece of scripture and, and just meditating on it praying over it allowing God to use what we call the Bible Holy Scripture to work inside of our hearts that's only one of many, many hundreds of ways probably that God works His grace and works His transformative power. Look, it ain't about me trying to transform me. I don't know about y'all and how your self-will is, but my self-will is kind of lacking. God's will is pretty great. It's always God doing the work inside of me. It's, it's very, very rarely me, me trying to change myself. Me trying to change myself didn't work for years and years and years until God get in, until I learned, at least to some degree, to what... Surrender. Sitting in the presence of God. Simply sitting in the presence of God. What about listening? Listening, of course, is very similar to the idea of just sitting still and the idea of contemplative prayer. Very closely related. Prayer, as our book says, is a living conversation with God, which means that we must listen to God just as much as we talk. John 10.27 says this, My sheep do what? My sheep listen to me. I know them, and they follow me. How does God speak to us? How does God speak to us? How do we hear? How do we listen? How do we know that it's God talking to us? There's three ways that, that, that the book identifies, and I kind of agree to that. I, I, I agree to, to, to what they say. We hear God in the Bible. We hear God through the words of Holy Scripture. We hear God in the counsel of others, wise others. And we hear God through our times of personal reflection with Him. What I want to focus on out of those three most of the time is, the, is, is hearing God through Scripture. Hearing God through Scripture because this is where we start. This is where we start. And again, I'm going to give Paulette some kudos here because she said exactly, some, exactly something I'm about to say here in my sermon. When we talked about praying for our daily bread, give us this day our daily bread, we, we talked about that one last week. I told you that, that, that yes, indeed, God we are, was referring to our physical sustenance. He was literally referring to those things that keep us alive, food, water, uh, clothing, shelter, those types of things. But he's also referring, as Paulette mentioned, to the children this morning and to our spiritual sustenance as well. Our spiritual sustenance. I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, Paulette, but it was great. It's the daily nourishment of God's Word. Give us this day our daily bread. It's spiritual sustenance, taking in the Word of God. The Word is perfectly revealed. The Word of God is perfectly revealed in what we know as Holy Scripture or what we know as the Bible. It's our primary source. Me and Dara Wood, and I believe it was Rudy yesterday, had a great conversation about the primacy of the Bible when it comes to our beliefs, when it comes to our practices. We believe that the Bible is the first and the ultimate authority that we go to as far as our conduct, as far as how we think, how we behave, etc., etc., etc. It is also our primary source of revelation. It's our ultimate authority on Christian discipline and on practice, and in general, it's our ultimate authority on how we live our daily lives. Most of you guys are familiar with 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is what? All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is our primary source of hearing, embracing, and taking in God's will for us, first and foremost and always. Everything that we believe, every thought we have, every word we say, every action we take, is measured against the words of Scripture. Everything in our lives is measured against the words of Scripture. We have to ask ourselves, if what I think, if what I'm practicing, if what I'm living out, if what I think I'm hearing God telling me, by the way, doesn't measure up, doesn't stack up to what Holy Scripture says, red flags should go off all over the place. Okay? This is how we hear God. Studying the Bible for, you know, is, is, is great. I've talked about this before. You know, We study the Bible for historical reasons, for, for all kind of academic reasons, but the primary purpose of the Bible is to transform us. The primary purpose of the Bible is to tell us what the will of God is and to take that in and to allow the Holy Spirit to work. That is the, what's so, this, this never fails to just, to just put me in awe, man. That God speaks through these words. That's why he gave us these 66 books that we call the Bible, the Old and the New Testament. Because the Holy Spirit, God residing with us, in us, literally speaks to us through the sacred words of this book. And literally uses them to transform our hearts, to make us, to pull us in the direction of yielding. In the direction of submission to the will of God. And not our own wills. God is literally present, y'all, in the words of this book. How cool is that? That never, sen- that never fails to give me just a sense of awe every time I talk about that. So we listen to God, just as we did in our practice that we did several weeks ago. We listen to God when we read and when we meditate upon the words of Holy Scripture. Mentioned mention something to you real quick about um, reflecting. I, mean, I said that a second ago, that that was one way to hear the Word of God. One way is through Scripture, one way is through personal reflection, and one way is through the counsel of others. Let me mention to you something real, real quick on the idea of our personal reflection. <coughs> Most of us miss God's Word. Most of us miss God's direction in our lives because we expect these lightning bolt, burning bush moments. We expect God to to speak to us in some glorious, physical, uh, undeniable way. You know, God, give me a sign, those types of things. God generally doesn't work like that, folks. God generally doesn't work like that. And the Bible, which we go back to as revealing to us the truth, tells us that. It tells us that as far back as the prophet Ezekiel, Listen to these words from 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. The Lord, I'm sorry, not Ezekiel, Elijah. <laughs> the Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and a powerful wind tore the mountains apart, and they shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. The gentle whisper was the voice of God. Hear God through God's gently whispering to us in our hearts, and He will speak to us. It takes, it may take a little practice, folks, but you'll learn what the will, what the. If you're hearing God, or if you're hearing you. Speaking of which, don't deceive yourself. Sometimes, sometimes we can really deceive ourselves into thinking that we're hearing God when in fact we're hearing ourselves. <laughs> Two questions to ask yourselves. You know, if, if you're in prayer, maybe you're looking for guidance, maybe you're looking for an answer to something, maybe you're going through a certain situation and have to make a decision. Here's two things, two ideas that will help you in discerning if it's God's voice or if it's your voice. Number one, does it look like Jesus? Does the response that you're getting look like Jesus? In other words, if I obey this idea or if I go this direction, would it reflect the character of Jesus Christ? Is it the sort of thing that he would do? If not, red flags, red flags, red flags, red flags. All day long, time to go back to God. Another way that we can do this is by asking our question, what's the worst that could happen if I get this wrong? What's the worst that could happen if I make the wrong decision? If the answer to that is that it can turn into a complete disaster, you should probably start seeing red flags. This is where, again, we return to prayer or we seek the advice of counsel of others, people who are wiser than us. So on to the idea of confession. Y'all know this is one that I like to talk about. I've already talked about it a good deal. I've talked about it from the pulpit, and we've talked about it on Wednesday nights before. I believe that confession is a healing practice. I think that the Bible teaches that confession is a healing practice. I believe that confession to God and to other people is a healing practice. I think there is spiritual whatever you want to call it. It ain't, it ain't magic, but there's spiritual truth in the fact that when we confess our sins to God and to human beings, something happens to us. The Bible assures us of that. James 5, we just wrapped up talking about James on our midweek studies. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. I don't think it gets any more clear than that. Confession to God and confession to other people. It's all about yielding. It's all about yielding. It's all about submitting. That's hard. That's difficult. That's not an easy thing for us to do. But that's submission not only to God, but to God and others. What does... Verse 12, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I want to direct you real quick to verses 14 and 15. If you're not familiar with those, this is following the Lord's Prayer. You know, forgiveness is also a form of yielding and also a form of submission. And there's a very good reason that Christ mentions that. I don't, you know, I can't really name. There, there's a lot of good reasons that Christ includes that, I think, in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But at the end of it, when we complete it, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. What's not included in the Lord's Prayer is what Jesus says next. And this is how seriously he takes the idea of forgiveness. Take this however you want to take it. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We can talk theologically about that all day long. End of the day, Christ is very serious. God is very serious about us being able to yield to other people when it comes to the ideas of confession and also practicing the practice of Forgiveness to other people. Yielding, yielding, submission. That's our watchword for today. It's all about humility and surrendering. Finally, we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual warfare. As we look at the last half of the sentence there in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from the evil one. Most of the times when we pray that, we pray deliver us from evil. So we talked about last week... Um, you know i mentioned to you that some of the some of the times that some of the reasons sometimes that our prayers go unanswered is the reality of that there is evil around us is the reality that, that there is a spiritual war going on is the reality of that there are forces around us that are fighting us i don't know this for a fact but i would speculate to say that that's probably more so true for christians than non-christians you know we talked about uh talked about our break-in. We were talking about our break-in this morning and, and several other things. You know, since I've come to Bemis, we've had, uh, we've taken a few hits monetarily. We've had some AC problems that have cost us thousands of dollars. They had a problem with the uh, with the parsonage before I even got here. It cost the church about eight grand, seven grand, eight grand. Now we've been hit with a uh, burglary and missing, missing some equipment. My buddy, Ted Darrow Wood, tells me we're under spiritual attack. My buddy Deirdre Wood says that, that, that Satan sees something going on here that he doesn't like. And that we're under spiritual attack. Maybe we are. Maybe we are. Is there any other real explanation for us to take that many hits in that short of time? I don't know. But the same applies to our prayer lives. We can, we, we can be under spiritual attack whether we're Christians or not. And we talked about that last week. C.S. Lewis, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but, but besides being the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis was also a wonderful Christian theologian, and he wrote many books on the idea of Christ, on, on Christian topics. He wrote this in regards to, to spiritual warfare. He said, enemy-occupied territory. That is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. How cool is that? We are called in this last portion of the Lord's Prayer to engage in spiritual warfare against Satan, against evil, against whatever other names that you have for it. By the way, the name Satan literally means the enemy or the adversary. N.T. Wright, who was another wonderful uh, theologian who's still alive, he says this, he says, "...to pray the words, deliver us from evil, is to inhale the victory of the cross." and thereby to hold the line for another moment, another hour, another day against the forces of destruction within ourselves and with the world. How do we fight it? How do we fight the evil around us? They're not going to respond to weapons. They're not going to respond to physical weapons. So how do we do it? Number one, we do it through the Word of God. We do it through the Word of God, which we talked about earlier, how powerful the written Word of God is. Do y'all remember when Jesus, after Christ was baptized, he went into the desert for 40 days? He was tempted by Satan several times. Y'all remember how he fought evil in those moments? Somebody say it. I hear you whispering, Kevin. He used the Word of God. He quoted Scripture. Every single instance, when he was tempted by evil, he quoted Scripture. And what happened? He left. He fled. See ya. How do we fight the word of God? Through holy scripture. As simple as that may sound to people, we fight evil forces through the use of holy scriptures. Precisely how Jesus fought the enemy himself. The word of God is active. It is sharper than any two edged or double edged sword, the author of the book of Hebrews tells us. James again tells us resist the devil. We went over this Wednesday, resist the devil. And he will what? He will flee from you. I think that we'll all be really amazed at how powerful Scripture is when we learn to incorporate it into our prayer, into our prayer lives when it comes to engaging in spiritual welfare. It's also important to remember this, that we wield the sword of the Spirit, but at the same time, we're also called to live lives within the peace of the gospel. Another way that subverts the enemy and subverts evil, the way of Christ, the way of God, the gospel. There's probably no greater act of spiritual warfare than leading somebody to Jesus Christ. There's probably no greater act of spiritual warfare than living a life under the teachings and the proclamations and the commands of Jesus Christ. We are an army of peacemakers. There's probably no other way to subvert evil than to love and pray for our enemies. Our book puts it like this, along the same lines. I'm going to end with this. It's a great statement. Folks, we take a stand against the enemy every time we preach the gospel. We take a stand against the enemy every time we forgive an enemy. We take a stand against the enemy every time we stand up to a bully. Every time we care for the poor. Every time we create something beautiful. Every time that we behave with integrity. Every time that we practice uh, actions for the sake of others, justice for the sake of others, and every time that we take a stance that defies the devil's insidious systems of control. How do we engage in spiritual warfare? With the written word of God and with the applications of those things that we have talked about since I've been here, since day one. Embracing the way of Jesus. Living the way of Jesus. Kevin, y'all can come on up, brother. I hope that you guys have been able to glean a little something from this four-part series. Um, I love teaching this. I love, I, love, I love preaching on the subject of prayer. It's hands down, the most important thing in my life, and, and there's, there's dozens, there's dozens, if not hundreds, of prayer practices that you can incorporate. and not one particular practice works, works the same way for others, or fits a person's personality. I would encourage you to try out all kinds of different prayer practices. There's all kinds of things we talked we talked about. Uh, we talked about prayer books. We've talked about you know engaging in the Psalms. We've talked about meditating on Scripture. And just, you know, there's dozens of practices out there. We've talked about using books, prayer books, those types of things. Increase your prayer life because that's the number one thing we have in our lives to be transformed and to be able to live the gospel in this world. I'm going to open up the altar for anybody who'd like to come this morning. If you've got a, uh, a need in your life, if you've got a desire on your heart, if you need to spend a little time with God, or if you need your pastor to pray for you, I would be more than happy. I would love to do so. Or any other need you might have, the altar is open.